Hey everyone, welcome to the 21st episode of the BCS Pride Pod. The BCS Pride Pod is hosted by two high school students, myself, Aiden Bloomstein, and Nolan Robertson. We bring weekly episodes with guests who talk about their sports, activities, experiences, or whatever they want for 30 minutes. Again, I am your host, Aiden Bloomstein. And I am your host, Nolan Robertson. And this is the 21st episode of the BCS Pride Pod. We have someone on the podcast today that our listeners know very well. This is not the first time that he's been on the podcast. We had his wife on a few weeks ago and had an absolutely amazing time. He currently holds the record, actually, for the most for the episode that has the most downloads. I think the last time I checked was around 500, which is incredible. And of course, that guy is Mr. Haig. Mr. Haig, it is great to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for having me back, gentlemen. So today, it starts our first episode of a two-part back-to-school series. As most of our listeners know, Sacramento County has been reduced to the red tier, which allows for schools to open if the county remains in that tier for two weeks. So to prepare students and parents for coming back to school, we thought that this week and next are going to be dedicated to getting more information out on how it's going to look and what students and parents can expect on hopefully October 19th. To start off, can you give a response to the possibility of the school uh, reopening on the 19th? Yeah, we were um, excited to see a couple weeks ago that um, our Sacramento County had been showing improvements in um, daily COVID cases and um, positivity rates um, for COVID testing had been decreasing and it was starting to look like, Oh man, if we continue this uh, momentum, we could, we could, we could look at bringing students back on campus. Um, so a couple weeks ago, um, we officially moved to the red tier. We, we did, um, drop down a level and last week our numbers in the County, uh, continued to look good even lower than they had been in previous, previous weeks. And so, so with that, uh, you know, barring some unforeseen um, spike of, of cases in the County, uh, we, we are prepared and preparing to have students back. Actually middle school students would be coming back next Wednesday. And then I think high school students would be coming back the following Monday, um, staggering it there a bit. It's, um, we're prepared. We're moving in that direction. There's a lot of activity happening on campus uh, to, to make sure that we're ready for that. Um, again, if there was some unforeseen, you know, spike in COVID cases, that could change what we're up to. Um, but right now it's looking good. And, and I, I'm very confident that that will be our, um, our process and plan for bringing everybody back. I think it's also worth noting that once students are back on campus, um, to this point, the state has said, if the if your county, you know, met the criteria to bring students back on campus, which we are, and we will, will we will have done, if um, the county has to go back to, you know, take some steps back and maybe go back to the purple tier, uh, that we will uh, allow to be to continue with our um, on campus learning, we won't necessarily have to shut down. So I know that could be, you know, what happens if the county goes back and forth with colors. Um, at this point, what the state has said is that we'll remain, we'll be allowed to remain open. 
um, but there just may be some um, administrative uh, things on our end that we just would have to address. But um, so, so far, that's the plan. Well, that's really good to hear that we're, um, that there's that fear of being um, in, the tier increasing um, that we're not going to have to shut back down again. So if that's all true, that, that, that'd be really cool to hear. So the fear is now going back to school um, and the obvious concern is a student or staff member testing positive uh, for COVID-19. So could you go through the school policy that if a student or staff member tests positive for COVID-19, what is the school's response going to be? Yeah, I think there's um, there's there's a couple things I'd like to say on that um, in response to that. There's um, our, our, my, the first thing I want to say is that um, our staff is currently um, being tested um, for asymptomatic um, COVID. That that means um, we're, we're rotating through our staff and we're testing staff members that don't show any signs, don't show any symptoms of having COVID, they're being tested just to ensure that they don't have it. Um, so we're, we're trying to stay ahead of um, any cases that way. Um, I think there's, there is some talk out there that, you know, there's a lot of asymptomatic cases. So we're trying to address that. Um, and the staff's been very supportive and willing to cooperate with that. Um, I think the other thing is, so what happens when somebody does test positive? You know, we're, we're just going to have to get busy on an administrative level, trying to determine who who tests positive, who are they in contact with, um, and and does do we need to have others quarantine that may have been in contact? Um, the the person that tests positive will remain home for, um, for a, a set time, depends on how long their symptoms last, um, how severe their, um, their symptoms are, but they'll quarantine, they'll stay home. Hopefully it's, it's a situation where there hasn't been a, a significant um, exposure to other students or staff. And just that, that those, those, that person that's tested would, would be, um, you know, uh, quarantined and, um, for their, for their duration, for their duration of, of symptoms until they're cleared to return. You know, hopefully if it's a, if it's a staff member and they're not showing symptoms, maybe they can, um, you know, continue to maybe do some remote teaching. Um, it's a student, they can, you know, do their remote teaching, learning from home, um, but it, it'll, it'll be interesting. You know, we're working hard to make sure that students are keeping their six feet, six foot distancing. Um, and, and what's, what's, what's important to remember, and we're going to have to remind everybody, uh, what, a what a COVID contact exposure is. If you've been less than six, if you've been exposed to somebody with COVID, um, if you've been less than six feet, for more than 15 minutes, that's considered an exposure. So we've got all of our classrooms set up where everybody's more than six feet apart, you know, passing periods, um, you know, are, are brief. And so hopefully we're, we're minimizing any potential mass exposures 
um, that could happen from somebody testing positive. Yeah, and I've heard that used before. The the close contact is what is requires a um, quarantine, and if you have that close contact from someone that does test positive, uh, maybe that does elicit the response for the quarantining. Yeah, and it's going to be tough because everyone's going to be back at school, and they're going to want to, you know, be with their with their friends and their classmates, and and even with their teachers. But the the more disciplined and the harder we can all work at, hey, trying to keep our six feet, um, trying to keep our contacts to a minimum, you know, brief, um, it'll really benefit everybody. So now that uh, middle school is on the same campus as the high school is the school like concerned about the interaction between like the campuses that could you know maybe transfer the virus or anything like that that was probably one of the first and biggest concerns and just how are how are these you know two two school campuses gonna merge to on one um and exist together uh fortunately we have a large campus we have many buildings gym wrestling rooms multi-purpose um there's lawn and and quad area out front of the classroom building on the other in front of the gym there's uh lawn and and some blacktop area so um i know the middle school and high school administrative team is working hard to um come up with a plan that that keeps everybody separate um as much as possible. I think middle school is going to have an area where they have middle school is going to have an area where they go to break. They're going to have designated bathrooms for middle school. High school is going to have designated bathrooms um, to, you know, whatever we can do to help, uh, you know, keep some, some uh, space between the two uh, groups of, of students. We're all, while they're sharing the same campus. So are students going to be required to get their temperature taken before entering onto campus? And if yes, is that going to create a large congestion in the morning when students are trying to get to their first period classes? Do you encourage students to get there a little bit earlier so they can get their temperature taken? But um, what what is that uh, response? Well, we, we are taking temperatures. Everybody, you know, staff and students um, will have temperatures taken before they um, enter the campus. Um, you know, we've, we've had, a we've been fortunate to, to have a trial run with elementary, um, returning to campus a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was our concern that we we're going to have backups and, you know, traffic is going to be held up. Um, and fortunately it's gone much smoother than, um, we had anticipated, you know, I think we had like we bought 30 some, uh, thermometers, um, no touch thermometers just so that we had enough people to have that could scan and, you know, get kids moving. And I think we're only using three or four. Um, we're not having any backup at the elementary side. Uh, and it's, it's just been, it's been real, uh, it's been real easy. Um, I feel like, and we haven't had any issues. And with that at the high school, they're, they've come up with a, a plan of different um, access points for different grades and 
uh, just to spread everybody out. And I think there are different drop-off times for high school classes or high school classes or maybe starting earlier. So I think with having the spread out entry points for middle school and high school students and, and different start times, I think um, I'm expecting that things will run smoothly there as well. Speaking of traffic, um, do you think maybe like having the middle school and high school like campuses on the same like campus like uh, is going to cause like a huge traffic jam in the morning or? Yeah, you know, I think um, usually afternoon is a, a bit more of a problem with traffic than mornings. But again, we're we're looking at having different drop off and pick up pick up spots at the high school campus and high school students are also you know when they um you know juniors and seniors can drive and so that'll help alleviate some of the you know pick up and drop off congestion but we are i don't know if the the plan has been finalized but from what i've seen it's uh they have a they they've got a good plan put in place to to spread the traffic out keep the flow all going in the same direction, um, keep everybody moving. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a real, um, it's going to be different, uh, but it's going to be a real slick, uh, um, slick moving operation. Yeah. I could just imagine the, um, just thinking back to last year in the afternoons with just the high school there, it would get pretty congested. But I mean, we do have a large area that's a large parking lot and there's a lot of um, rows and stuff. So you could direct traffic in either way. So I think that if it's a, a well sought out, a thought out plan, um, it could be very successful. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're looking at utilizing the blacktop up by the gym because there's a, there's a large space up there too. Um, and then just bear in mind, I think even with elementary, when on those first two days of school, it was slower. Um, the, the pickup, uh, the pickup and drop off um, process, it did take a little bit longer. But then after that, it's just uh, I I rarely um, see a line longer than two or three cars on that side, and they have over four hundred kids, so um, we'll be pretty close to those same numbers at the high school. So you know, I, I'm I'm expecting you know the first day or two you know, could be slower, understandably, but I think after everybody gets the hang of it, um, you know, and it sees and has experienced the traffic flow, it'll be a good deal. So just for me being on campus a little bit, I've seen what looks to be like hand-washing stations that are set up in the quad and in various um, spots in the high school. So what are some of the different strategies, the hand-washing, hand sanitizer, procedural things to reduce the spread and keep uh, students and staff members safe? Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, just um, it's we're going to have to remind one another. There's going to be reminders, but I, just just basic uh, hygiene, good hygiene habits, sanitizing your hands. We've got hand sanitizer stations set up at the entry into restrooms and all the classrooms and out in common areas um, to remember to be sanitizing your hands. You know, we've got the hand washing stations. Make sure you're washing your hands maybe before and after lunch as, as, as much as possible. Even in the restroom, if you need to go into the restroom to wash your hands, um, the, the 
sneezing, covering when you're coughing, um, you know, wearing face masks, all those are going to be um, really essential and, and helpful in eliminating, you know, the spread of germs and, and viruses. Speaking of masks, masks are like a huge topic, like throughout all of, you know, COVID. Um, so like, what's the school's uh, policy for students and staff uh, wearing a mask throughout the day? Yeah, we're all wearing masks as administrative as much as possible. Um, you know, if we're outside and more than six feet apart, you know, I think that that's uh, that'd be a opportunity to to maybe catch your breath and and not need to wear a mask. But other than that, we're really um, wanting to be wearing masks as much as possible. Uh, you know, hopefully we don't have anybody on campus with the virus or we don't have any cases. But it would it would be a uh, it would be a you know a bummer or um, you know maybe even worse than that. You know, devastating if 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 someone were to get the virus on campus and and it turned out to to um you know take a significant toll or um you know really impact you know you know students staff or and families as well so we're really encouraging we got to wear masks as uh, as much as possible and uh, we've been watching our our elementary students have been wearing their masks and they've been wearing masks in the classroom and they've been doing a doing a great job with that and um, seems like it's working well. So are students required to wear masks when they're like at their desk? Yeah, we're, we're, we will be wearing masks at the desks. One of the prob one of the reasons is, is that for the older students is that they're switching so much. There's so much um, as they're switching classes um, and, and moving around and they're, and they're not at one um, desk all day. Other students will sharing desks. You know, we're going to be doing disinfecting and, um, you know, in between um, uses as well. But um, we just we just want to make sure that we're really doing everything we can not to um, have a outbreak at the school or, or have anybody get the virus. So we're we are going to be wearing um, masks in the classroom. So last time you, we, uh, we had you on the podcast, we talked about students having devices and going paperless for the high school. I don't necessarily know for the middle school or elementary if they're there yet, um, but do you have any updates with students in, in the high school going paperless and are students encouraged to bring their devices to school? Yep, middle school and high school students are still encouraged to bring their devices the goal is to go paperless. I mean, this is something that I think we're going to, um, you know, in be incorporating, you know, post COVID anyways, um, more technology into the classroom. Um, we've in, the school has invested a significant amount of money in, in technology and in these resources. Um, you know, it may be, it may vary from classroom to classroom and it, it, how they, how they utilize um, the technology in each classroom, but the goal is no paper, paperless. We want to limit um, any contact or passing of um, papers or, and, um, you know, there still may be some of that and that some of that may be, you know, maybe essential and necessary, but we are moving in that direction. Um, and some, you know, some teachers may uh, 
pick up quicker than others, but um, that's the, that is the direction. Uh, you know, I think elementary, um, I, I, yeah, I think elementary is, um, maybe some of the older elementary kids are, are using devices, um, in class a bit too. I know myself, uh, Aiden and many other high school students have seen like this, the teachers struggle with, um, like doing online schools because of the Wi-Fi. So what are some measures that have been taken to improve the Wi-Fi at the school to be able to handle 300 plus and the elementary, uh, elementary middle school and their devices? Yeah, there were a, there were a couple things that, that caused our, our internet issues. Um, and not all of it was Wi-Fi related. Some of it was service provider. I mean, it was just our straight internet. Um, you know, we, we had been working, upgrading services, bringing additional internet services onto the campus. And, um, you know, we have ways of measuring, you know, bandwidth that we're paying for and then seeing bandwidth that we're getting. And, um, you know, there's, there was a, uh, combination of a couple of things. One, what we were being, what we were paying for in bandwidth we, was not being provided to the school. And it took weeks for our provider to sort through all that and realize, oh, we need to um, plug you into a different um, router or modem basically out in the, on their main line. Um, they made some adjustments that increased our, our, our bandwidth um, significantly. We were getting what we've been paying for finally. Our teachers on campus noticed an improvement. Uh, we also have, we're waiting for an upgrade for additional fiber lines being installed on the campus. So that's just going to improve even more. But one of the issues that we did have is when all the teachers were doing uh, their Zoom meetings and we had middle school and high school and even elementary distance learning daycare students on our high school campus, all of those students that were Zooming into their classroom, that Zoom, those Zoom meetings take up an enormous amount of bandwidth. And so even with students on a device in a classroom, looking at a PDF is, is nothing compared to, you know, students being on a Zoom meeting. And so Right now, we've, we've had our middle school teachers and our high school teachers are, are, will all be back on campus tomorrow doing their Zoom, and we're expecting that uh, those, will, will, those, will, um, those meetings and classes will um, be able to be conducted as, as they should. Um, so it's just a combination of a couple things, but I, I think we're, we're set up now when, the, when students have devices in class, it's, they're not Zooming in class, and so that that um, burden on the bandwidth won't be there. So um, it should just be, uh, uh, um, you know, a, a solid uh, uh, internet connection with speeds. What uh, accommodations are going to be taken care of for the students who don't come back to campus? Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, we've, um, we've worked with, with families, um, that uh, for whatever reason want to keep their students at home, um, it's a it's a extra load on teachers because teachers you know they're managing a in person 
a live class um, with in-person students. And then they're also having to manage um, remote learners at the same time. So it's a challenge. Uh, our elementary teachers have been doing it for however, you know, several weeks now where there's, there's a teacher in every grade level, grade level who's got students in class and then students at home that are zooming in. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, trial and error. They're figuring it out and they're figuring out what works, but definitely that is available for those families that had, um, have, have chose to, to continue with distance learning. Um, I think there's, there's just a, a handful. There's not a, it's not a significant number. And so I think it'll be manageable, but it'll, it'll be a little, um, it'll be different, um, to get used to. That's for sure. I think there's a lot to, um, that's different. That's, um, that will need to be get you got uh, getting used to, but I mean, that's just the climate that we live in now. And that's what, um, God is calling us to do in order to continue the ministry at the school and continue education at the school. So I think that it is definitely worth it to be able to wear the mask, wash your hands and keep your distance to be able to be back in campus. Well said, Aiden. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mr. Haig, for coming on the twenty the twenty first episode of the podcast. We know that you're super busy getting the school ready for us to return. So I, we really do thank you to come on and give us a little bit of your time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on again, and you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. I, we always have a ton of fun when you're on, um, and super definitely super informational. Um, so thank you again. Listeners, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at BCS Pride Pod. Again, that's at BCS Pride Pod. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions on who we should bring on, send us an email at pridepodbc at gmail.com. Again, pridepodbc at gmail.com. Make sure you also check out our website. That's pridepod.buzzsprout.com. Again, pridepod.buzzsprout.com. Stay tuned for part two. That will be uploaded next Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on our website. 